Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment, and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Ah, uh, would you look out at that for a morning? What a glorious, glorious morning across Cork City and County and this with us now for a few days at least, getting warmer and sunnier right up to the weekend and possibly, possibly even beyond. So we look forward to that. Morning to you, 0818 96 96 96. Do you know what makes it even tougher to take that defeat yesterday by Kilkenny? And I was watching, what a match. What a fantastic game of Camogie it was to watch. And gutted for Cork. Terrible to lose by the smallest and narrowest possible margin. But that's the kind of thing Kilkenny can do to you. In the last dying breath of the game, they can do that to you. And they did it yesterday. And the lads, the girls were heartbroken. And it was it was really sad to see because it had been such a fabulous match. It deserved, actually, to be a draw. It really, really did deserve to be a draw. And maybe get some more out of it. But the fact that this morning the celebrations are taking place in Kilkenny and they took place last night, the fact that it is International Cat Day almost adds insult to injury. Do you know what I mean? Today is International Cat Day. If you have cats in the house, give them an extra bit of food this morning. <laughs> I know. Mon- Listen, Monday I'm likely to come up with anything. So that's how it goes. 0818 96 96 96. Now, coming into town this morning, did my usual route. Nice and handy. Not a bother on me. Just worried whether I can do it tomorrow. There were many changes coming into force as of tomorrow morning to traffic flow on the north side and to the north side of the city. And to say it's confusing is to put it mildly. There are two or three changes in routes. If you're coming from the south side, 
and you want to go to the north side of the city, it's confusing. Now, there is a video on the council's website. I've watched it three or four times. There have been numerous articles written, numerous pages with different lists of what you will and won't be able to do from tomorrow. But I do, unfortunately, predict that the street fleet and Wayne and the plane and everything will have, well, he's not up there tomorrow, but you know what I mean, the street fleet will have a very busy morning tomorrow. Uh, because uh, all these changes kick in from from first thing tomorrow morning. Let us talk to Councillor Dan Boyle, who might be able to talk us through a little bit of it. And Dan, in fairness to Council, to give him credit where it's due, they've done a good video and a very good graphic, and lots of articles have been written. But when it comes to the crunch tomorrow morning, I foresee carnage. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Well, hopefully not. It's certainly complex. Uh, it's trying to move a lot of things at once. Uh, and uh, uh, happening in August might be a help because the schools aren't open yet. So hopefully those are factors that might help. Uh, what, what, what's happening are a couple of things. Uh, what, what's known as the McCurtain Street scheme actually applies to a, a wide area on both sides of the river. Uh, and what they're going to introduce tomorrow are are going to be the new northbound routes. Yeah. But at the same time, they're also moving across the river to to start to work on Labbott's Key and, and Merchant's Key. So that'll add to the inconvenience that exists while the, the full project is being done. But but what, what they're trying to do is make use of Brian Baru Street, uh, Brian Brew Bridge and Brian Brew Street as, as a new link for people going north. So there'll be an extra lane for people coming out of Parnell Place, uh, turning left on Merchant's Key and then going across Brian Brew Bridge. And and we know we've had the the new uh, northbound route on Brian Brew Street for a while. So people can go directly across Brian Brew Bridge and up Summerhill South. That's one route. Uh, and people are also going to be encouraged along Patrick's Key and Camden mm-hmm. Key. And there'll be a, an additional uh, turning routes both into Northern Ring Road and, and Mulgrave Road uh, to take the anticipated uh, uh, additional traffic that way. So it, 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 they're more direct routes, uh, but uh, it, it, it's it's going to break the habit of people driving around the city. So that's where the confusion is going to exist. So Brian Baru Bridge will be two-way. I think that's a first. Um, I, well, God knows. Um, I can remember when the train used to go across it, uh, so uh, um, I... I, I, I you're probably right. I can't remember traffic going both ways on Brian Brew Street. Or, or Brian Brew Bridge, for, for that matter. Yeah. And it's, yeah. A, it's a narrow bridge. I sincerely hope that it won't become too congested. But like you said, bringing it in in August might make it a small bit easier. Also, if you're going along, so you from tomorrow, you can no longer turn right onto Christie Ring Bridge, correct? Um. Yes, yes, because the works uh, are happening at Levis Guest. Can you turn uh, left onto it? Do, 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 do. This is from people coming in from the western side of the city in the morning. Who would go down Well, the additional, the, there's an additional lane going for people to turn up Mulgrave Road. So the, the number of lanes that are available for going straight ahead and turning uh, turning left uh, are, are restricted. But uh, mm. I'll have to look at the map again. But uh, See, is, I, I, I don't is, think there's I'm any... Not, I'm not actually trying to trap you. I'm not trying to trap you. But that's I, the point. That no, was the no, first no, thing. no, 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 no. That was the first yeah, thing that came to me. Can you go? You can't go right. Can you go left? 
the 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 whole point of the routes are to direct traffic on the north side of the city, uh, both towards the Northern Ring Road, Mulgrave Road, and uh, Brian Brew Road and Summerhill South, uh, Summerhill North. So that that's the intent of the changes. So if you're talking about traffic going back onto the south side, that's going to be complicated anyway because yeah. work is starting on Lavat Key and Merchant Key. So yeah. the idea is that. It, it, it's it's best to look for alternative routes while the works are being done in any case. Indeed. When when they brought in the, the new traffic lane there on Brian Brew Street a few weeks ago and it, it, made, it made turning out of McCourton Street to go south side made that more complex than, than it had been in, in a long, long time. Like you say, bring it in in August, it'll be quiet. People will start to get used to it. Do you think, why is it being done then? What, what's the purpose of all of this? Well, there are several factors. One is to try to get a better traffic flow, uh, but one is also to have in the city centre a better mix of of, uh, pedestrian, car traffic, public transport, cycle use. uh, And the scheme has been designed that the space that is there can be configured in in the the most democratic way to allow that to happen. And to to bring that about is is going to be complex and it's going to be inconvenient to people because a lot of changes uh, are going to have to be put in place. Because watch, watching the video and looking at the maps, certainly what I'm seeing, and maybe I'm right here, maybe I'm wrong, is all of these changes, the idea is to, if you're coming into the city to go from, say, north side to south side or west to east or south, to, the idea is we will move you away from the centre as much as possible. Is, am I getting that? Encourage people to say, yeah, you have to encourage people uh, because the idea is, is that to get in... To get in and out of the city, uh, you, you should be encouraged to park in and around it, but not necessarily through it. Uh, and, and public transport can take you in and out better, sort of thing. Or, or walking or cycling can take you in better. Whereas a lot of the traffic that goes through the city centre is not is literally going through the city centre. So we, we want to encourage as much of that traffic that needs to get from A to B past the city centre to do so more efficiently. Mm. We have a lot of change. I guess we'll only see how well or how badly it goes once people have to start using it. This Last week we talked at length about changes to do with Bus Connect and preparing for Bus Connect and preparing for active travel. We're heading into a time of a lot of change, aren't we, Dan, over the next couple of years. It's going to be difficult. I was saying last week, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs, but a lot of people are very upset about the eggs that are being broken. Oh, I, I think any proposal that's going to be made is going to affect people, and and people are going to think uh, in affecting them, uh, you know, w- whether that's changes they're prepared to accept or not, and that that's why you have a public consultation process. And and with Bus Connect, for instance, it's a two phase one. Mm-hmm. So w- what I'm telling the people who are expressing their concerns is please express their concerns because uh, they do get taken on board. The, the the exercise in Dublin saw quite a lot of changes mm-hmm. between the first proposals and and eventually what's going to be put in place, uh, and. Uh, this is very, very much at the moment the lines on the map exercise. So uh, I, I think as many concerns that are expressed, you'll see changes for the second phase and the second public consultation process. Right. Uh, and I'm confident that what will eventually be put in place will be acceptable to people and will bring about better ways of getting across the city uh, for, for who, all our citizens. Talking to people from Tory Top Road last week, an area, Dan, that mm-hmm. you know very, very well. Yeah. Um, at the moment, yeah, yeah. They're, they're less than happy. Are you saying that and I know they'll be listening out there now, before a shovel goes in the ground, there will be much more talking to do. Is that is that what you're saying? 
Well, Joytown Road isn't Bus Connects. That's, no, it's executive uh, traffic. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, City Council. That that has a submission date of last Friday, and uh, there have been dozens of submissions received in relation to that. Uh, and and th- there's a few complicating factors. Uh, one, there are a number of businesses in the area, and they're obviously concerned about uh, ongoing customs and things like that. Uh, but there's also a school in the area that we've been trying to deal with in terms of safe access for, for a number of years. There's no pedestrian crossing, for instance. Uh, and the all road projects, particularly those near schools in the future, where we're improving access and, and crossing facilities, will also be accompanied by active travel measures because that that's the type of transport we need to encourage in the city. You know, we grew up at a time, a PJ, when most of us walked to school or cycled to school, yes. and that's been impossible because of increased traffic levels over the last number of years. So we're trying to roll back the clock a bit, but we need to put in the infrastructure to allow that to happen, but to do it in the least intrusive way possible. And, and that's why the cut consultation is important. That's why people's concerns need to be heard. That's why it needs to be designed to a way that it's publicly acceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully that process is, is what's happening. Are we anywhere near having yet the public transport system that we need to just convince people to let the car at home? Um, well, less journeys in the car. I mean, people. There's nothing wrong with people having cars, and cars can be very useful. It it it, it it's a it's a link form of transport when when none none others are available for people, and people with mobility problems need cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's we just have to have a culture where we use our cars less, uh, and that's why we need good public transport in the city, uh, and it's certainly improving. I I, I um, was getting off a bus the other day, and the bus driver told me of the work stress he's experiencing. Uh, because uh, of the lower fares and the increased numbers and the buses filling up earlier on the routes. Mm. Uh, and it, it, we're starting to see problems of success yes. uh, with, with public transport, but we, we need more drivers and we need more buses. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, it, 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 they're, they're the type of problems I'd like to be dealing with in the future. came in myself by bus this morning, which in the summer months I've no difficulty with doing. I get a bus in, I get off down by the library. <laughs> Lovely little stroll across and up Patrick Street in the morning. Beautiful morning for it. The problem is, Dan, in November and February, I get soaked to the skin. So I can't really yeah. do the public transport to town, can I? Yeah. Well, it, it's trying to give people the the um, the, the options. I mean, yeah. if you go to a, a European city, and, and I know travel is restricted for a whole lot of reasons these days, but uh, the experience in European cities is that people are used to interchanging their transport mode. They can drive to a particular spot, get mm-hmm. a bus from there, get a train from mm-hmm. there, uh, get a, a, a bike, share bike or whatever. For uh, and, and increasingly, they're using things like scooters and things like that. So, w- what we need to do in the future is to put in place elements of where we can ch- chop and change our, our transport options yes. and, and use more of them as we need them. Yes. I mean, whenever I'm in town, part of it's laziness, but I use the bike share scheme as much as possible to get from one side of town to the oh, other. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and, and they're the type of things that we should be encouraging people to do. And people are using more and more using scooters. And I'm asking you as someone who... I take it because of your Green Party background, the use of sustainable transport like electric scooters is is exactly what you see more of us wanting to do. I'm sure, Dan, you'd encourage people to use them properly and obey the rules oh, of the yeah, road they make and me nervous. They, red lights. Yeah. <laughs> they make me nervous, I must admit. Like, cause I, I, I'm thinking of some of my own age, PJ, and, and, and my own sense of balance. <laughs> so they, 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 are, they are an option. 
uh, and they 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 obviously need the legislation is still to come in about them. So uh, I, I I think in, in terms of electric scooters in particular, it's important that they're 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 speed limited, uh, and uh, the areas of the roads they can use uh, have to be properly defined. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the rules of the road apply to scooter users as much as they apply to cyclists, as much as they apply to motorists. Indeed. All right. From from tomorrow, Dan, thank you very much, uh, Councillor Dan Boy. A number of changes coming into operation from early tomorrow morning. If you're coming to town, north side to south side, and you're coming along Parnell Place or any of that particular route, you're going to face a new route north side. You will have to go the other way, over onto the opposite quay, and take different turns to get Northside. You'll still get Northside, but you'll just have to get used to going a different way. You'll no longer be able to come down, for example, now Merchant's Key. You won't be able to come down Merchant's Key if you, and, and drive over Patrick's Bridge, or you won't be able to come down the key there and drive over Christie Ringbridge. From the other side, coming in from the west, I think you can drive in and drive over Christie Ringbridge if you're going left. It's going to be all confusion for a while but at least it's happening before the schools go back so we'll see <laughs> we'll see what happens uh, be interested to know from you in the morning what your commute was like and if your commute was a total nightmare let me know if it improved your commute in the morning let me know and the best way you can do it in the morning is drop me a voice note at 083-396-9696. Obviously, by the time we get on the air, well, you'll be at work or you'll be wherever you need to be. So before, if it's a total nightmare, the last thing you do before you go to work, would you drop me a voicemail so we can talk about it during the show? That'd be one great way to figure out if this is actually going to work or if it's going to be total carnage. Thank you, Fergal. Fergal has sent me a photograph here. Brian Baru Bridge was two-way. McCurtain Street and went went one way in the late 60s, early 70s. McCurtain Street and Brian Brew Bridge. So Brian Brew Bridge was two-way in the past. I would never have remembered Brian Brew Bridge as being two-way, but it was. And as of tomorrow morning, it will be again. 0818 96 96 96. I mentioned cash last week and the amount of businesses going cashless. And I mentioned my own personal feelings to you about cash in that if you're not going to accept cash, then you won't have my custom. It doesn't mean I will have to use cash. It doesn't mean I won't use a card or a phone or whatever. But if you're not accepting cash, then you won't be having my custom. And I'm wondering how people feel about that. We'll get to it in a while. But first things first, talking after the break with a disability activist and advocate who is moving to Cork from Germany. And will be moving here in the next couple of weeks. Catch up with that next. When we're adoring Adele, are you thinking, it's not easy on me? And has our love of Justin Bieber got you not wanting to stay? What I want Tell us the music you want to hear. And what songs should disappear with the Cork's 96FM Music Panel. Take our 10-minute music survey. And you could win a 100-euro pennies voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Give me what I want. Or see 96FM.ie. Cork's 96FM. 
So Evelyn Sink has wanted to come and live in Ireland for for some time now. Uh, And many people do. She's German and she wants to come and move to Ireland and hopefully settle here and follow a UCC course while she's here. And you would think, well, she's an EU citizen. She can do exactly as she pleases. The problem is when you're disabled, like Evelyn is, it's a bit more complicated than that. And she's had a long and arduous process to get here. She'll move here in a couple of weeks. And I just caught up with her over the weekend uh, to talk about her her experiences in, in wanting to move here. And something surprising about why she does want to move here. And how she feels ve- that she will be better treated as a person with a disability here than she would be in her native Germany. We talk so much on this programme regularly about how disability services in Ireland fail people. But Evelyn wants to come here because of how good our disability services are. Evelyn, delighted to speak with you for the opinion line. Your story is an interesting one. Tell me first of all, and we're delighted that you do, by the way, why do you want to move to Ireland and why particularly do you want to move to Cork? Um, I want to move to Ireland because I feel especially accepted there in regards to my disability, to my um, nature as an artist, and uh, in uh, regards to uh, to people with disability. I feel that um, the society of Ireland is much more open to people with disability and uh, have treated me with very much respect so far. Yes. More respect than I ever received in Germany. And yeah, I just feel very welcomed and very um, in place in Ireland. I always felt very alienated in Germany. When did you come here for the very first time? Uh, actually, a month ago. <laughs> actually, a month ago, I met with a fellow writer the first time in Dublin, mm-hmm. and I was very, very impressed by the way uh, people treated me. Might I ask, Evelyn, about uh, the nature of, of your needs? What assistance do you require every day? I have cerebral palsy, and I need 24 hours assistance. I need um, practically care all the time and assistance all the time. Um, so... It was quite difficult for my studies. Do, do you need help with the ordinary things of your day, like eating and going to the toilet and yes, things exactly. like that? Yeah. Yes, exactly. With everything, practically. With being able to eat, they need to hand me the drinks and the food with shower, with um, the household, with uh, uh, going to shopping, and uh, studying with practically everything. Yes. You have a care package in Germany. And yes, I do. you wanted to transfer that to Ireland. And I yes. think you knew you'd be entitled to do that under EU law, but it turned yes. out quite difficult. Yes, it's because um, Germany is quite uh, determined in the uh, territorial law and national law and they say that within the national law, it's not allowed. 
because I'm a social welfare case because of my um, assistant needs. Yeah. And that's the contradictment here with the European law. And they actually refuse me my human rights in that regard, um, even though it's a very beneficial case for them because uh, if I happen to immigrate after five years in process of naturalization, uh, they would save. But, uh, so you have a lifelong care need and you will have a lifelong care package. But what I think, you're, what I, think I understand is that if you move to Ireland and you naturalize, then the German authorities will save a lot of money by allowing you to do that. Yes. Yes. And yes. how difficult was it to, to get what you wanted? Oh, very difficult because I had to take a lot of loopholes and um, had to take it step by step. For now, uh, they are just granting me my education in Ireland mm. for two years. <laughs> and I am, first of all, very happy with that. But I really hope that within those two years, the people which are helping me in Ireland will actually help me to to being able to stay in Ireland after those yes. two years. So you, you proved your point under European law. Yeah, a partial fight at least. I mean, it, it's not uh, uh, fully granted on paper now. Yes, they've approved in principle to transfer your needs to an Irish company for the next yeah. couple of years. And, and, and have you yeah. spoken to that company? Is it all in place? It's Home Direct. They are lovely. I had a couple of talks with uh, Michael Harty, mm. and he's a, he's a lovely man and uh, taking me seriously and uh, listening to me what particular care I need and uh, what is important to me, uh, like how the people are treating me and um, how they assist me because uh, everyone has his uh, or their individual needs. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very much um, satisfied with them. Great. So Home Care Direct will be taking care of you while you're here. Where will you stay, Evan? Uh, for now, I have an accommodation uh, at the UCC. It's uh, in the University Hall. Um, and uh, I probably... Uh, think about relocating within Cork uh, by quite some time because I actually have a cat, which is uh, problematic in a, a study accommodation. Yes. But I will uh, leave the cat by a friend right. uh, in in a in a safe shelter. Good. And so you found accommodation within a student complex that suits your needs, but. You, yes, yes. You can't bring uh, your cat. The disability support were very great and they've been very, very helpful doing everything to make me comfortable Fantastic. in the accommodation. Fantastic. And like I said, I've I've had so much support here in Ireland. I've I've been not used to that here in Germany. Like at all. You feel that we have a different way of approaching disability in this country. Yes, definitely, definitely. 
That's fantastic to hear. Really is. And you'll you'll stay in the student accommodation for now until such time as you can find a place that's suitable to bring your cat. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I, as a cat lover, I sympathise. <laughs> so you, you have your care package now while you'll be at UCC. After that, that's the next stage. Yeah, that's the next stage. And... Yes, it's been uh, granted for five year, um, for two years, yeah. and after that, either I have to come back, or uh, I become an Irish citizen. Very good. I know you've only been here briefly for a few days at a time, but I, I sense Evelyn, you feel more valued here. Yes, definitely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, you, you were in. Ireland in the last week or two and you met Senator Tom Clonan at Leinster House and Tom I think is prepared to take up your case. Yes uh, I've been in contact with him for a year now and he's been a huge help. He's been uh, the the greatest front, uh, fighter in the front line for me from the beginning on and uh, understood me and my um, needs and my equal rights and um, there is an issue that I'm worried that uh, my um, acceptance for my care won't be granted in time uh, that my study actually starts. You have agreement in principle for that but you still don't have it in writing. Yes. And And Tom is working on that I believe. Yes, exactly. And I'm uh, very appreciating that and I'm very grateful of it um, because I, I wouldn't know where I would have been without him right now in this fight and without my professors in the UCC, especially Danny Denton and uh, the founder of the Stinging Flight, Eklund Mead. Yes. It's been a, a great help. Yes, A yes. great help along the way. Yes. So when all going well, Evelyn, do you start at UCC? At the 13th of September. Okay. It's so my birthday. About five weeks. Yeah. All right. Well, you're back in Germany now, preparing hopefully for that big move. Uh, yes. Delighted that you've done so well so far. Look forward. Maybe when you're in Cork, maybe maybe we could meet for a chat. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Gladly. I'd like to. Well, good luck with everything. And uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon, Evelyn. Thank you very much. Evelyn Sink, lovely chat with her at the weekend. Coming to study at UCC and to live here uh, in a better month's time. And, you know, we do complain a lot and there's a lot to complain about in disability services or the lack thereof in this country. But we do know that disability is well supported at UCC and we do know that there's great advocacy out there the likes of uh, Tom Clonan and the likes of Kieran Delaney and others really supporting and advocating for those 
with a disability in our society and we should be great, very grateful to have them. I look forward to meeting Evelyn again when she comes to live and study here. We discussed about going for a pint and to see how she'd handle or how she'd get around a pub uh, with her disability. So we might just do that. We might do that when she gets here in a few weeks' time. 0818 96 96 96. In the shorter term, the Cork's 96 FM Best of Cork Awards final event the handing out of the awards is this Tuesday, August 9th. And at that event, we'll reveal all the winners. There's a €5,000 media campaign also from Cork's 96FM up for grabs uh, for one lucky winner. Uh, follow our social pages and stay listening to find out if your favourite won in their category. It's the Best of Cork Awards 2022 with localheroes.ie, your place to find trusted gas boiler installers, plumbers, electricians and much more. And it's only on Cork's 96am. We had a query about electronic tickets for GAA matches and we got a response with regard to that. But also returning to the subject of cash and whether or not cash is going to be acceptable going forward. Are we moving to a cashless society? Are there those who want us to move to a cashless society? Do you want to be in a cashless society as more and more places go cashless or think about going cashless? How do you feel about that? Do we need to have the option of both? Do you want the option of both? I demand the option of both. That's just me. 0818 96 96 96. I was asked to mention, I saw this over the weekend and I was a little sad to see it. I hadn't heard from him or come across him in many a long day. The great Tony Hegarty passed away over the weekend. And for people of a certain age, Tony would have been one of the, the greats of Cork Entertainment. A comedian, uh, an MC. Just a, an all-round funny guy. Put a microphone in his hand and he'd entertain an entire room. I have a memory of Tony Hegarty, now that it, it, it pops into my mind, of many years ago being at the Opera House. I can't for the life of me remember what the show was. It's only a small fella. But <laughs> Tony Hegarty was the MC, and I remember him wearing a grey suit. And in the middle of his routine, didn't he split the backside of the trousers? on the grey suit and it was in a very public way because it happened as he was moving around the stage he managed to turn it into the most hilarious routine that I've seen Uh, he realised it had happened he was in between two acts he couldn't just walk off stage so he had to keep going and he kept going like the pro that he was and had us in stitches because his trousers needed stitching the great late great Tony Hegarty uh, passed away at the weekend and um, my thoughts with anybody who knew him and loved him 0818969696 we got a a call from a long time Cork GAA supporter who was very upset because he says he won't be able to attend any more matches because tickets now are only being accepted if they're on a phone in electronic form Now, this particular caller doesn't have a smartphone or have access to a computer or a printer. There are people like that. Uh, And are there any other way a person can get their ticket now for a match to gain entry if they don't have access to this kind of technology? Now, we did a bit of legwork in the background and we got onto the GAA. And 
while, of course, there is the move to electronic ticketing, it's all over the place. They say while all games under Cork County Board now incorporate electronic tickets, clubs have the facility to download and print physical tickets for their members. We will continue to engage with clubs and members in streamlining this process. So what I'm reading in from that is that if you are, for argument's sake, a Bars supporter or a Nemo supporter or a Nepirshik supporter or a Glen supporter and you want to go to a match, you go to the club and they will give you your ticket in the form of a piece of paper that they have that facility to do it. Thanks for that. Cork GAA 0818 96 96 96 Coming up, cash It's future Do you still carry some cash? At the moment, if I look into my wallet I've got about 40 euro in cash I work an awful lot with my phone these days My Revolut on my phone And I work with cards all over But I want to keep that choice What I'm going to spend my money How I'm going to use my money It seems that choice is disappearing and how do we feel about it? That's next on the opinion line. Ready to go, go, go. Showtime. Showtime. Thanks for all your nominations and votes in the Cork's 96 FM Best of Cork Awards. Now it's time to reveal your favorites. Stay listening Tuesday evening as we reveal this year's winners. The Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie for trusted tradespeople with a 12-month warranty backed by Board Gosh Energy. Only on Cork's 96FM. So this came up on the programme uh, last week and I said we'd come back to it and, and see what people had to, to say about it. Uh, I was remarking that when I was away on my holidays, more and more places now uh, were just dealing in all cards or phones. They take cash, but some people were even surprised to be handed cash. And then I know there are one or two premises in town, I'm going to name them now, but there are one or two premises in town that no longer take any cash. And I have made a very solid decision for myself that if you're not going to take my cash, you will not have my custom. It's, it's just how I feel. And I'm wondering how people uh, feel about that. Do they agree with me? Not that I want to pay cash, not that I'm an old dinosaur that insists on paying cash, but if I want to pay cash, I should be allowed to pay cash. If I want to buy a coffee and a donut, I don't see why I should have to pay, pay by a card. A coffee and a donut is a cash transaction, as far as I'm concerned. And we were talking also last week about teaching children to use money and, and, and to value money. And our kids are growing up in a world where if they never see cash, it won't surprise them. And I worry about that a little bit. So let's discuss it a bit further with Wayne Stansfield, a businessman, of course, in the uh, heart of the city at Pinocchio Toys. Wayne, just start with my stance there. Any place that won't take my cash will not have my custom. Uh, am I overdoing it there? Good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. Um, and a lovely morning it is too. It isn't it? Um, well, you know, I suppose it's an individual decision. I, I, For us, cash is still relatively important yes like compared to what it used to be it's it's nothing i mean it used to be easy oh i mean i'd say it started at kind of 10 to 20 percent cards mm. then it slowly shifted to 50 50 and now it's probably closer to 85 90 10 right cash but i i'm not quite sure why somebody would not take any cash that being said cash is a pain in the 
backside these days because I mean we we used to bank we bank with AIB we used to bank on Bridge Street then we were moved to Patrick Street now we've been moved to the South Mall the South Mall only um, you can only bank in their um, in their cash room twice a week um, you know if you you can't lodge individual you must lodge complete bags you can't the, the days can't of the night safer over you've ordered it. Yeah, you know, you can't order cash. Um, you have to order it in advance, which if you're a pub and your turnover is a million a year and you know you're going to use, well, whatever, an average of a thousand a day, you're going to have no problem ordering cash. But for a small shop like us, ordering change is, I mean, we might we might have nothing for two or three days, use no change almost, and then suddenly we use a load of it. And is that because so people it, are not spending cash as much as they did? So you don't they have... They don't really... So, no, no, you don't need it as much. I mean, we can go... We can. We, we don't get anywhere near the amount of change that we used to get. We don't get anywhere near the amount of cash. Um, so so I don't know. I mean, I can't see it dying... I, I can't see it dying out completely because for some people it's still very important to be able to have 50 euro in their hand and know that they have spent mm. 50 euro. And while... So some people can do that fine. They can look at the app on their phone and they can go, okay, I've spent a tenner, you know. Mm. Some people are still can't do that. You know, you get somebody like my dad who's 93. He, st- he still uses cash. Not all the time. I mean, he uses cards quite a lot, but but he's never going to get the whole app on the phone thing. And mm. um, so he still likes to have at least, you know, 50 euro in his pocket sort of thing. Um, yeah. And I don't think you can get around that. If you take something simple as well, why I'm like, you know, I mean, going into to a toy shop to buy a toy, uh, you know, that's that's quite simply, it can be a card transaction because whatever the price is. But going in yeah. for a coffee and a donut, like, that's yes, not, it doesn't need avoid. to be a card transaction, does it? No, no. I mean, it's fine if you choose it to be a card transaction, but if you if you choose it to be a cash, I don't see... I mean, small amounts in general. I mean, we get people paying with cards for, you know, two euro worth of marbles, a euro worth of marbles. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's it, people People certainly are more disposed to paying with card. But children particularly, I think, have to, have to be able to use cash, mm. at least for a while, because otherwise they have no concept of what of what granny giving her giving them 10 euro is actually worth yes you know it's fine to have a 10 euro on a on a revolute card or whatever but they don't actually understand that when you spend nine of it you've got one and it's not the same either i'm sorry no but it's not not the same open birth open a birthday card and there's 10 or 20 euro from granny or granddad or auntie a plastic card you know yeah as opposed to there's a ping in your revolute. Well, I've just sent you something for your birthday. It's not the same. Yeah. No, it's not the same. And I, I fully accept that we are slowly, you know, it will become less and less cash. But I do think there's a kind of a point at which it shouldn't go below it. I mean, I know, like in, I was in Norway a couple of years ago for a match, for a city game, and I didn't see cash from one end of that trip to the other end of the trip. The only time I saw cash was because I was dealing with the away tickets for fans and mm. some somebody paid me in Norwegian kroner for tickets. That is literally the only note I saw in the entire time I was in Norway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I'm, I'm just not sure. I'm, not, I'm just not convinced that we can be a cash-only society. I mm. think particularly in Ireland... Why do, there are people who believe that cashless is the way forward. 
And I guess in terms of security, it's easier not to have cash oh, on the premises and that easier. kind of thing. But much easier. No counting. You 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 get we get lodged to get change. We get lodged to, to we get uh, charged to lodge gate change. We get charged to collect change. Really? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember exactly how much. Forty forty five cents per hundred, something like that. Um, so I mean, you know, it's not like it, it's not free. <laughs> It's not. It's not like using cash is somehow. I mean, the days when they used to come into the shop and go, "Ah, sure, I'll give you cash. You, you'll you'll reduce it for cash." And you're going, I, "Believe me, revenue doesn't care whether it's cash, card. You know, it doesn't make any difference these days." Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I I think we will gradually transition to a, an almost cashless society. Yes. But I, I know it's hard for charities. I mean, cashless is hard for charities. And I mean, and the lads on the street who are begging, I know people don't really like them, but, but you know, they do it for many, many, many reasons. Mm. Um, and, you know, they're, they'll, they get nothing. And some of them, you know, are, are just about surviving. Um, mm. Now, I know many of them who are begging on the street are begging for money to pay their dealers, etc. And that's just a straight up. Yeah. That's a fact, you know, um, but but you know you kind of wonder what's what's going to happen with that. I mean, charities already, you know, have have started to convert in that they're they're using some up and things like that. To yeah, collect money no, I've seen the share the, of, the share boys and girls last Christmas. I noticed that some of them had a little tap pad on the top of yeah, the collection yeah, yeah. box. Now, personally speaking, I went up to them and said, "Let's here's a fiver. I'm not going to use that. It's I'd rather put <laughs> no, cash I no, I prefer to." Yes, I'd rather put cash in a bucket for something like that. But I do respect the fact that, again, that they're that, that those those collectors are having to mm. they're having to adapt because there is this. I mean, from a personal point of view, I very seldom have cash these days. Yeah. I mean, very, very, very seldom. You know, I mean, mm. if I probably only have cash for my if my dad paid me for something. Mm. <laughs> I, I go to the cash. machine on maybe once a week, once every ten days, and I'd put forty, fifty quid in my wallet just to have it for the stuff. Like now, like the coffee and the donut. Hi. Just me. Yes, that sort of thing. You know, that kind it. of thing. And 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 but other than that, I would never have and you'd be carrying around in the past, you'd be carrying out once if you're going out on, on the town for the night, you'd be carrying a lot of cash. Now you use your phone and then the no, following no, morning you, you go, phone, Oh my car. god, how much did I spend? <laughs> yes, exactly. The horror of <laughs> yes, horror. Little things like on on the tolls now you can use a card. Yeah. Which from um, from a motorbiking point of view is fantastic it because is. that is, that yeah. was a right pain, having to search for bits of change in, in all them, all them layers of leather, of trying to find the two euro layers coin. of leather. Exactly, <laughs> trying to find a two euro coin, you know. So I mean, at least that is a huge thing. You can just go to your yeah. cash bag, take your card, tap, and put it back in, indeed, and away you go. Indeed. Fantastic. Lastly, I mean, as a business yeah. person, lastly, the idea that some businesses would refuse cash. It, you'd have a view on that. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a bit like some businesses used to refuse card, and I could never understand, you know, why you why would you not take the the most popular payment method? Mm. Um, and I suppose some businesses are just kind of going to stick to their rules. Now, it depends if they're doing enough volume in cash, you know, weekly basis. It's not a huge issue to lodge it, but if you're only getting, you know. 49 euro instead of the 50 euro bag of two euro coins, and you can't lodge it for the following week, maybe that is frustrating for them but i i find it surprising i i find it surprising that any business i'm not sure I, was, I wouldn't say i wouldn't support them but i'd be slow to go back to them if i was using cash as i say i mean for me personally i still sell them have cash in my pocket it probably makes no difference to me but, but you you'd like but, the choice if it's there 
but I'd still like the choice. Yeah. You know, if I had a tenor and I wanted to pay with a tenor, I'd be kind of happier if I could pay with my tenor. Um, exactly. But I suppose it is it is the choice of an individual business. If they feel their business model can <clears throat> can wear it, yeah. well, it's you know, inter- interesting times ahead. I hope I hope heading yes, into I the autumn and the winter and the Christmas time that you have a great season ahead with Pinocchio Toys. Super traditional business down there uh, around Paul Street. Why on Stansfeld? 0818 96 96 96. Where do you stand on cash? I, I'm, ad- I'm adamant. If you won't take cash, you won't have my business. That's me, and I'm prepared to defend myself with anybody who wants to take me on. What's your thoughts on that? I, how do you feel about cashlessness? Is it just the way we're going, or should you have the choice? Westlife Play Parky Queens this Friday and Saturday. So we're throwing the biggest tree parties on Leeside. Join Cork's 96FM on the boardwalk at Tequila Jacks each day from 4. As we bring the vibe for Westlife Live. Quirks 96FM presenters on the decks alongside the street fleet. With freebies up for grabs. Freebies up for grabs. Tequila Jacks, the only place to be in Cork City. Friday and Saturday from 4pm with Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Lots of responses coming in in terms of cash. A lot of people actually have to say, uh, agreeing with me, that they want to continue to have the option to use cash, even though they might decide not to use it, but they still want the option. And I'm particularly talking about simple things. Something happened on my holidays, and I'll tell you about it. One particular morning, I was out for a walk, and I decided to pull into this little place and have my bite of breakfast. And all I had was a bit of scrambled egg and a cup of coffee. Lovely, simple breakfast. And the whole thing came to about seven euro. And I searched in my pockets and I thought, oh, bugger, I've no cash. And I had no wallet because I was for morning walk. I had no intention to go. Use my phone, click, ping, seven euro. I thought, I'm paying for seven quid with my phone. There's something up here. I didn't have cash. I I, I don't like that. Simple little everyday transactions that are 10 or 12 or 6 or 7 euro we need still to have the option of cash Uh, is that you Fiona? Yeah I use my phone for everything the phone's great, it's great I, I love paying with my phone but I want the option I don't want that option taken away from me if I decide I want to use cash then I want to use cash We'll come back to it, though. Lots of comments, and I will come back to them. But keep them coming. Where do you feel, or how do you feel, with regard to the inexorable-seeming move towards a cashless society? Do you want that option? It's an option you might never use, but do you want that option to do certain business through cash? And if a coffee shop or a corner shop or anywhere you see says, no cash, will you go in there again? 
I certainly won't. Like, okay, you buy online, you don't use cash. That's fine. But walking into the shop and being told we don't take cash, I don't like that. Don't like that at all. 0818-969696. Uh, just one of those for now. Tony says, <clears throat> you must remember with all these things like electronic payment and self-service checkout, decent entry-level jobs are being eliminated. What kind of society will we have? Yeah, I. it's the electronic um, till in Tesco's or Super Value or wherever they are, Centre these days, that my local centre put one in. Do I use them? Yes. Are they convenient? Actually, they're not. Because half the time they go flipping wrong and they mess up. But yes, they are taking jobs. Those machines take jobs from people. Tony has a point. 0818969696. We'll come back to it. Promise you. We got... A listener got in contact with us on the subject of grief. Um, They've lost a sibling recently. And our thoughts are with you in that regard but they felt that they haven't had sufficient opportunity or sufficient means to talk about their grief because another sibling for want of a better expression never stops talking about their grief so here's two people both of whom lost a relative one of them keeps talking about it all the time which they're entitled to do but the other one feels they can't. And they can't talk through their grief. And you know if you lose someone, we've all lost someone important to us at some stage in our lives. One of the most helpful and cathartic things you can do when you've lost someone is talk about them. Tell stories about them. You know, talk about the little weird things they used to do or the things you remember. It's very, very helpful and it's almost... It almost helps you to get through it. But what if you can't do that because another person keeps doing it all the time with the best will in the world, with no badness intended? Evie Flynn is an integrative counsellor and psychotherapist and is based in Yall. Evie, it's the most natural thing in the world to talk about someone who's gone, but if you dominate the conversation, someone else is, is dealing with it in a vacuum. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Um, good morning, PJ. Yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, your poor listener, um, obviously, they've had a huge loss. And instead of being in a position where they're being supported, they find that they're maybe being left outside on the verges a little. And, um, you know, I suppose grief and loss, any kind of loss, even a relationship um, can bring up <clears throat> A lot of things, especially in our family of origin, if that's where the the loss is. Mm. And very often, you know, when we're growing up, we have different um, values. And, you know, some of us might develop a value when we're growing up that we put other people's needs first, for example. Mm -hmm. And at times like this, it can become very problematic, Um, And I guess if we were to lift the lid on this a little bit, we might be looking at that, you know, like what has, um, what are the listeners, um, you know, values and, you know, what might happen? Like, it sounds like this could be an unconscious process, which means that 
what's going on in the relationship is happening outside the listener's explicit awareness or conscious control. So I, I do get the, know, from, just, from reading yeah. the original email, which we're, we're not broadcasting it, but I, I have it. I have it yeah. in front of me. Uh, this is one sibling talking a lot about their grief, and if you like. Uh-huh dominating the conversation so that the other doesn't feel they're getting a look in and that you know they're trying to deal with this and process this on their own in their own head yeah so I guess like firstly what's stopping them from bringing themselves in or if they feel maybe that this isn't a space that they can include themselves where the other person needs to always you know, maybe there's a dynamic there where her one person um, is used to taking the limelight. I'm not sure. Mm. But also, I guess for the listener, what's stopping them from coming in? Like, what are they afraid might happen? Um, Is it that if I come in that I won't be listened to maybe? Or that the other, you know, what what comes up for them? Like, what are the thoughts? Yes. You know, is it I'm afraid they'll? Or is is it I'm afraid I'll be? You know, is it something like that? And if it's something that they find themselves in this situation a lot, is it possible perhaps for them to get support, to look to other places for support, you know, such as therapy or, you know, or even if this is a recurring theme, if it's constant with the sibling, can it be suggested that they might look to get support somewhere else? Mm. For example, you know, there, the HSE has a helpline, a grief helpline, or um, St. Francis Hospice has um, a grief ebook, um, which is available on their website. But I guess it's time to ask, like, everything, you know, what is it? about this dynamic that mm. keeps me on the fringes. Like, why can't I come onto the pitch as well? And open it sounds up a little it? bit, Evie, like, you know, in, in any family at a time like this, there's a strong one. There's a strong, silent yeah. one who, who seems to yeah. quietly get on with everything, helps to coordinate things, helps to plan, because there's a heck of a lot of planning yeah. when someone dies. Yeah. And, and they get on with it. And everyone around them appreciates how well they've done in just getting on with it and putting they don't sometimes remember to ask but Mary how are you really are you all right yeah you're there you're in control you're doing everything right but are you okay who's minding you yeah what a wonderful question to ask somebody I truly wonderful just to think of somebody else and I think you you've hit the nail on the head that perhaps this listener is coming across as a stronger one, you know, the stronger, wiser one who mm. doesn't need support. And the other may be the one who is, um, you know, may, maybe demands it, needs it, really can't cope, actually, you know, who needs to talk about it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, what a wonderful thing to ask somebody. How are you doing? Because mm. you're minding everybody else. It's just, it's something that I course to me and I listen to a hundred people's stories a month here on the program and sometimes mm-hmm. I often think it like you're talking to me about looking after your child or you're talking to me about taking care of your parents who's taking care of you it sounds yeah. to me here like our listener is that person who has been the strong one and the silent yeah, one completely. who carried everything yeah. and now now they're going 
actually, I'm not. I'm not as good as they. You know, I'm not as good yeah, as people I'm think I am. Yeah, I'm suffering too. Yeah, but I mean, none of us are superhuman, and that's it. Like everybody needs to grieve, and um, maybe sometimes people need people to other people to think of them. You know, how is this one who's strong and doing everything? How are they coping? And um, yeah, I guess for the the listener to um, you know to actively get some support for themselves, you know, prioritize themselves. Mm. It's like the oxygen mask on the plane. You know, we're always being told we need to prioritize ourselves first. And you know, the other thing is that if this is something that's really um, becoming problematic in the relationship, you know, with a sibling, for example. Mm. You know, there's the analogy, for example, of do we keep, you know, for example, if I, if we're living, if we're in a situation and two of us are sharing a house together and there's one car and you learn how to drive and I, I let you, I allow you to drive me everywhere and you keep facilitating that. I'm just wondering, is it that, you know, are you kind of preventing me from from developing my own self-development are you caretaking me basically as opposed to giving me care by offering me support and directing me to it the the last line of the email is telling evie actually it says i don't want to minimize my siblings grief but i do need to grieve myself yeah 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 so this is about maybe taking a step back and attending to themselves getting the support where they're finding the support where they'll get it because it sounds like either the sibling is unaware you know of the listener's grief which is and I'm wondering is it possible for the listener to open up to their sibling and you know tell them what's going on for them Mm -hmm. that they're really struggling to that they're finding it very difficult Mm -hmm. to bring themselves in and even that they need to even just open up find an opportunity to start that conversation be it with the with the sibling or maybe with a close friend yeah yeah exactly i'm Mm -hmm. really struggling at the moment yeah it's very difficult nobody coaches us for this yeah Yeah. no sounds to me like there's a dam waiting to burst and when that dam does burst it needs to be allowed to burst with great care absolutely yeah so the right person talk talk to someone for sure in the in the first instance evie do you think it Mm -hmm. needs to be a professional or could it just be a close friend or maybe bring it up with your sibling and say you know what i'm actually not doing too well here can I talk to you about it for a bit? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the sibling. And um, the relationship there. the listener is confident that she'll feel met, absolutely. But it's, I mean, if she's, yeah, I mean, why not try? This is an opportunity to find out about the relationship. Yeah. If the listener is prepared to do that, you know, so exactly what you're saying, you know, I'm really struggling too. Yeah. I'm not, I don't find it as easy to talk about it as you do, um, but I'm really struggling. You never know. There might be a recognition there and they might turn out to be your best supporter in the end. Evie, thank you very much for that. That's Evie Flynn, counsellor and psychotherapist based in Yall. Thank you for that. It's a difficult situation. Very, very difficult situation. But hopefully we've managed to cast some light on it. And if the person who sent in the message, we've anonymized the whole thing, if they're listening, maybe talk to either a good friend or try talking to your sibling and say, can I, can I, 
talk to you for a second because I'm not doing too good here and see where that conversation goes. 0818 96 96 96. Done the camogie yesterday. I mentioned this morning what a brilliant match it was. Regardless of who won, we'd all have preferred if Cork had won, but Kilkenny will do that to you at the very last stroke of the game. But, but, but what a magnificent match it was, particularly the second half. Caller says, I was watching both of the camogie games. I have to say, I didn't agree with the referees at all. And I'm not the only one that thinks that. Marty Morrissey on the telly was saying there should have been freeze. I think they need to look at refereeing for future games. I see Marty did say that. Marty was raising that point a couple of times in, in television commentary. That he felt certain things should have resulted in free. Again, it's his opinion, but Marty's opinion. And Marty's watched more matches than, than I've, I'll ever watch. And you know, be interested to know what, say, the opinion of Finn McCarthy or, or anywhere of our GA team would have been with regard to whether there were more more freeze needed. But a nice talking point at least. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. How do you get on with your in-laws? Oh, this is a very, very broad and interesting question. How do you get on with your in-laws? I got on quite well with mine. My late father-in-law and I were great pals. We we went for the odd pint and we sat there and sagely sorted out the world around us. And I was very fond of Eddie. And um, I know he was very fond of me too. Uh, with my mother-in-law, she was a different kettle of fish. We got on fine. <laughs> we got on fine, but, but she could be... She had her own nuances about her. I guess my parents would be the very same as in-laws. They've got their own ways and their own ways of dealing with things. And In-laws can be great. They can be wonderful. They can also be a pain in the arse. But when they start to really interfere in your life, then we got a problem. Because one of the things that in-laws struggle with is boundaries. Because they don't see any. And we've all had that discussion. Haven't we now? Be honest if you haven't. But we've all had that discussion about just how far the mother-in-law or the father-in-law went in trying to get involved in something. And they didn't see their boundaries. And if they did, they completely ignored them. And sometimes it's just a pain. And sometimes it can lead to real problems. And a professional mediator and an mediation organisation in Cork is speaking up about this. And now people are going to talk to professionals about their in-laws the ones who continue to step over the line. How do you handle it without destroying the marriage and everyone in it? Michal O'Hurley of Munster Mediation joins me. Michal, every in-law crossed the line at some stage, most of it unintentional, but when it becomes a serious problem, you need to take action. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. You do. I mean, boundaries are tough. It's very hard to draw them with people so much older than you. Um, it's even more difficult when you're drawing them with a spouse um, because you often put your spouse in between their loyalty to you and to their parents. Um, and that goes with your own parents. So it's a difficult situation. Mm. You mentioned that divided loyalties, like you have your spouse clearly and obviously loves you or they wouldn't be with you, but they also love 
their parents and in a difficult situation they are naturally torn it's incredibly reasonable to understand that especially in a society like ireland which has had uh almost throughout its history intergenerational family living where you know granny used to live in the flat um she used to live in the house so parents and their children and their spouses would often be at the same table, the same events, the same activities. They lived across the road. Um, so it's hard to separate boundaries about relationships when you've blurred your daily living. It's not a criticism. I mean, one of the things we have to recognize is that Irish society has the benefit of having parents there for their children in meaningful ways. Uh, They used to say in America that you could always tell the Irish in heaven because they were the ones that wanted to go back to Ireland. (laughs) Um, So uh, their parents and that family situation is a great part of that. But with every great thing, like a sweetie, you have to be careful that enough is enough. Mm. Mm. Take a hypothetical situation that... With the best will in the world, mother-in-law or father-in-law makes a decision and goes and does something. And it turns out that that's not exactly what the person wanted at all. But they've done it with a heart and a half, with the best will in the world. And it becomes, that's not what I wanted. I know, but they gave it to you out of the goodness of their heart. That's not what I wanted. How do you, like, you have to kind of, there's boundaries there. Do you you have to warn them, ma'am, dad? That's not what we wanted at all. These are difficult conversations. They are. And one of the things that we should recognize is that when we prepare a young couple for marriage, uh, generally that's been done in the church. And the church has done a good job, a bad job, or no job about it at times. But one of the things they try to do is ask the couple to enter into a mature understanding of marriage. So they not fall out over who left the cap off, the toothpaste, etc. One of the places to set boundaries is in the preparation for marriage. And that's a difficult conversation because it requires the parties to kind of be firm with their own parents about what they expect of their interaction with them and their new spouse as they start off in their life together. And that can be difficult. And a lot of people don't want to broach it. But it's necessary. One would expect that, you know, it, it's not every case we end up across the table from a professional mediator like yourself. But, but what kind of things do you see? At what, at what point do people come to you and say, Michal, this is a total stalemate. What are we going to do here? You know, in 2007, when I came back, I would have said that most Irish people... Um, did not engage with mental health professionals early enough to help their marriage stay together. Uh, Talking to a therapist, a counselor, a life coach, or whatever medium they choose to do that. So by the time they got to me, the only issue was who gets the uh, TV and who gets the Hoover? (laughs) Um, And how often will I get to see, you know, Sean and Mary, the kids? Um. By the time they get to mediation, it's often far too late to try reconciliation 
And as a mediator, I'm pretty good at it, but counseling is not part of my remit or skill set. That has to happen outside of mediation because my job is to help the couple to make decisions mm. about what their life might look like going forward, whether that's together or apart. There, there's a question actually Michal, that arises sorry to cut across you but it's an important one no. that you've raised yourself almost subconsciously mediation and counseling different things entirely what is the there's difference this, well there's this perverse um sense of mediation that arose in ireland uh, well-meaningly but it was called transformative mediation in which it was quasi-counseling quasi-mediation it's not recognized as a valid model anywhere else in the world. Um. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mediation is about a third-party objective person with certain skill sets, assisting parties in dispute to come to a resolution. Now, that might be reconciliation. That might be, you know, a trial time period. It might be a separation. But none of that deals with the emotional issues of how do you feel when your mother-in-law does this or how do you feel when your spouse does this? and What are you going to do when this stress level gets to this? Mediation is about making decisions about the future Irregardless of the past, um, counseling is about changing your life. Mm. Yeah. Most people, I think, over a period of time, in the after the first few years of their marriage, on both sides, both spouses, get to understand their in-laws. It's a learning process, isn't it? It is. And for the in-laws, it's a learning process to get to know their new daughter or son. Yeah. Yeah. And I I use the term daughter and son advisedly because when your child marries, that person is part of your family, too. And it's kind of 
like calling someone a stepchild to call them an in a, you know my daughter in law. It's correct, um, but it doesn't convey that sense of family and familiarity and love that is necessary in a family relationship. So I think it starts with understanding that this is now your child too. Yeah. Not to control, they're an adult, but to give love, understanding, and compassion to. But yet they're not. You didn't raise them, so there's a relationship based on two different sets of values. Not only values, but experiences. Um, And and one of the things that goes on in parenting is one parent might be firm. Another one might be easygoing. One might, you know, stand over, be one of those helicopter parents, always over their child, ready to swoop in. Another one might let them be what we used to call benevolent neglect. Let them go out and skin their knees and hug them and, and take care of them when that happens. So, one is not better than the other, but they are different. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, a lot of in-laws start their criticism of their son-in-law or daughter-in-law by saying, they don't do what I did, therefore they're wrong. <laughs> no, they're not. It's they're understandable. Just, they're just different. It, it's yeah. not helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's not helpful. All right, Michal, thank you very much. Michal O'Hurley of Munster Mediation. It can be a minefield, but most of the time, I would suggest it works itself out most of the time. You do have to throw your eyes up to heaven. Oh, God almighty. All right. Okay, fine. All right. Okay. You know, you have to do that. But it generally does work itself out. Thanks, Michal. 0818 uh, People heard my mention earlier on of Tony Hegarty, who passed away over the last few days. Thank you for the tribute to Tony. He was a total gentleman and a master of his craft, loved and admired by many, and as you said, brought joy and laughter to people throughout his career. And that's from Maeve. Thank you, Maeve. Counting down to Westlife with the biggest pre-parties on Side. The biggest pre-parties on Side. Cork's 96 FM. Yep, big one this weekend. Last big gigs of the season. In Cork, Westlife at Parky Creeve, Friday and Saturday. And we are throwing the biggest free parties on Leaside to celebrate Cork's 96 FM taking over the boardwalk at Tequila Jacks every day from four as we bring the vibe for Westlife. The presenters will all be there on the decks alongside the street fleet with freebies up for grabs. Big party and the weather is going to be just fabulous for this. So we're down on the boardwalk by Tequila Jacks Friday and Saturday from 4. The only place to be in Cork City with Cork's 96 FM. 0818 96 96 96. You might have seen this story involving a, a Stranger Things character or actor. Uh, Natalia Dwyer who plays Nancy Wheeler in Stranger Things and there's this whole controversy about videos on TikTok to do with plastic surgery and all that. I'm not going to talk about that one in specifically at all but videos like that on social media platforms like TikTok and others but TikTok especially these days they can affect people and when you put something up on a platform that is, you've done it for you. You've put it out there for you. Uh, 
uh, you could have an effect on, on somebody else and, and someone seeing a video like that can trigger all sorts of things in their mind and trigger all sorts of problems for them. Barry Murphy is Research and Policy Officer with BodyWise and joins me now. Barry, these videos, done with the best will in the world, done without any intention to hurt or harm, they can hurt and they can harm, can't they? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, I mean, certainly TikTok as a, as a platform, I suppose, in a sense, is kind of the, the new kid on the block and kind of often people go to and there have been issues part in the in the past kind of around these kind of what I eat in a day type videos yeah as being kind of uh, almost a, an offshoot of what has been historically called kind of pro anorexia type content and there's a very long history really on the online space of kind of problematic content right across kind of food, diet, weight and, and exercise and that kind of thing. Because mm. if you search something like Twitter or Instagram, you'll find loads and loads of different pages with different kinds of, of advice. And you wonder, is that coming from a background of actual knowledge or is it just because it looks good on video? Yeah, it's a mixture and, you know, it's it's kind of an unregulated space as well. So sometimes the people putting up this kind of content, you know, don't have the, the background or the the qualifications, but they do have, say, the traction and quite a, a large audience and maybe promoting things which aren't particularly helpful. Mm. I've talked with your colleagues at Bodyways in the past, indeed possibly with yourself as well, about how latent problems can be triggered um, people with the latent eating issue can be triggered by something. The, the, the online world is full of, of triggers for people and can be a very hazardous place. Yeah, it's mixed. I suppose it's there are positives to it as well. I mean, for, for eating disorders with that online community, you know, it is a, a tool for expression. So on the positive side, you see people documenting their eating disorder experience mm-hmm. and frankly I don't I don't think we we would know as much as we do about eating disorders without hearing those voices mm-hmm. and generally where we see things coming into to play more is it kind of in the body image realm which makes sense given I think both the volume of content so the the amount of imagery say we're exposed to kind of on a, on a daily basis and the frequency of it and all that sense, the heightened comparison then and the the impact. So for girls, the emphasis can be more on the kind of the physical form. And that's that's very historic, obviously. That's It's been like that for women and girls for a very long time. Mm. But boys might start to look up, say, look up to the likes of, say, sports stars or elite athletes where the emphasis is on the, the function on of the body and this whole sense of having to kind of chase likes and validation a little bit mm. then ties in with popularity and social status mm. and it's it's not easy to kind of navigate that space. I read a piece actually over the last week or so about boys and developing uh, what we call an unhealthy obsession with the gym because they had been looking at a sports star or celebrity on TikTok, on Instagram or wherever, and they they wanted to aspire to that level of fitness and that particular body form. And they almost developed, for want of a better term, an addiction to the gym. And that in itself is a problem. 
Yeah, certainly. And there there are issues around kind of muscularity too and, and steroid use and the, mm. the number of steroids seized in this country has been going up in the past number of years. And I think a little bit that can kind of fly under the radar because gyms are generally seen as something positive that you do and kind of healthy and if you sense that someone maybe is pushing a lot so for example they're not taking rest days they're they're maybe training through injury they may be skipping out on kind of these key social or family moments because the gym is kind of front and central in their life that certainly could point to a problem do you think that the platforms, the various platforms, TikTok is the one in up for discussion, but the various platforms, do you think, Barry, that they monitor their own content enough, that it's moderated enough uh, and expertly enough so that it's safe? Yeah, I mean, we've had conversations with all of them, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and TikTok, and certainly they are aware of the, the kind of the problematic content that comes up so under the terms and conditions of facebook for example you're not allowed promote self-harm suicide or eating disorders which is correct in how it should be and it's it's hard to know kind of you know because it, it's a judgment call in a sense at the time at the time and they do see some very difficult things i suppose that the conversation sometimes in the media is kind of should the platforms do more and i think the next part of that sentence is, well, what do we mean by more? Are we talking about better reporting tools, quicker responses, quicker action to take things down? That, I think, is kind of still in the the figuring out stage. So look, they've been they've been very engaged with us over the past number of years. I know mm. the likes of Pinterest and Facebook have banned kind of weight loss promotion material, mm-hmm. which is certainly a positive step. Yeah, Pinterest is one you wouldn't think of, but it is out there and has a huge following. Thank you, Barry. Barry Murphy, uh, the Research and Policy Officer with BodyWise. Social media platforms like TikTok, great thing, but not everything that's up there is safe. Uh, That is an unfortunate problem. It's unregulated for the most part, even though the companies themselves try to regulate it. There's a lot of mad stuff. I'll come back to your thoughts on cash uh, quite a lot of it coming in what happens if the internet or wi-fi and this is a good question this is a great question uh, what happens if the internet or wi-fi goes down or there's a cyber attack in a cash society at least with cash commerce can still continue that's from craig that's a super question craig and it just adds to the debate and i'll come back to more of your comments on it so if you're running a business and you decide to go totally cashless, that's that's your right. You, you won't be seeing me in the premise. But if you go entirely cashless in a business, well, what happens if the Wi-Fi goes down? What happens if there's a cyber attack? What happens, you know what I'm saying? Can you just... That's a great question, Craig. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. I'm a pensioner. I like to feel the money in my hands because it helps me keep track of the pension and what I'm spending. And what about someone like me, says this call, who's always dealt in cash and just doesn't know any other way? 
As I said, it's something I'll come back to. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. The Barras of Clonacilty welcome back Neil Delamere with his new show, Delamerium. Neil comes to the Barras on April 29th with tickets on sale now from their website, debarra.ie. All areas. Paul Howard's smash hit musical Copperface Jacks comes to Cork Opera House this month following triumphant summer runs in 2018 and 19. The show runs on August 23rd until the 28th with tickets on sale now. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. With Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer. On Quartz 96 FM. It's only about two weeks or two and a bit weeks before they all start going back to school again. Even the smallies uh, are starting late August into early September. And there's a lot of preparation to be done. And how do you prepare without just completely melting down mentally. Prepare them and prepare yourself for a... (laughs) Fiona just realised it's only two weeks, there's a big scream on me. It is a crazy couple of weeks preparing and hoping to be at the school on the day organised. Properly organised. Not sweating like a stoked pig and manic and half-fed the child upset. And there's a lot of work to be done. Let us talk to Linda de Blasi, personal stylist. Uh, Linda, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ, and good morning to your listeners. There's an amount of, of preparation to be done, and, and later in the month we'll talk about being ready for being at the school gate. But in the mm-hmm. couple of weeks ahead of us, how yeah. can parents help to ensure that it isn't all mayhem? Mayhem, exactly. And I think it comes around fairly quickly. You know, and we always can say, oh, yeah, look, we have August and we'll start doing that now in the next week or two. But what I'm saying to your listeners today is take the time this week and start getting organized. So I'm going to share with you today some tips and some strategies that we can implement now in August, which will result in hopefully smooth mornings in September or at the end of the month when the kids either start school or return to school. And I always say a good day starts the night before. Okay, so just keep that in mind as well. And first of all, I want to say to your listeners, don't panic. I know we only have maybe two and a half, three weeks, but we can still get a lot done in that time. Mm. And what I'll talk about first is uniforms and sports kits. And like, as I was saying there to Fiona, some people may have their uniforms from June and others, you know, might just have to go and start buying their new uniforms if their child is starting school in September now in the next week or two. So one or two tips I would give is if you have the uniform, get your your child to try on the complete uniform this week just to make sure that it fits and check the cuffs of jumpers if they're unravelling, you know, elbow patches, and all these can be repaired as well instead of you going out and buying a new school jumper. Mm. Because since, Make sure that, since June, they yeah. can have grown. Exactly. That's it. Um, and as I say, just see what fits and what doesn't, if, if it needs repairing. And then also, if you do need to go and buy a uniform, the supermarkets now stock the uncrested jumpers and pants and polo shirts. 
So if you're going shopping this week, you know, you can throw in your polo shirts into your trolley. Or if you get an uncrested jumper, you can sew on the crest yourself, just maybe even saving. And then if you do have to go to the actual uniform shop, ring beforehand and just make sure that the sizes are in stock just to prevent you having to go back. Um, you know, or sometimes they might have to order in your in your size, which takes a week or two as well. So don't get caught out there. Mm. Um, also, just regarding the uniforms, and I find as well with track suits or uniforms, the track suits can lose their colour, you know, rapidly and get fade. So when I am washing, we'll say track suits or uniforms, I do it on a cold wash. Yeah. And if they're small, even a hand wash of the of the tracksuit jumpers and spin it, you know, these these will just prevent it from fading. Um, my other tip would be as soon as they come in on a Friday, wash the uniforms, put them in the washing machine, a quick wash and just get that job done. Because come November, December, January, it can actually take a day or two to actually dry out the uniforms, you know, depending on the weather. Mm-hmm. So get this get this chore done on the Friday evening. Get the uniforms washed. If the weather is bad, do a double spin on the uniforms, and that just takes out the heavy wetness. Mm-hmm. Out. So that's that's the uniforms. Now we can talk about um, stationery. Yeah. And you know stationery is huge. And again, you can start putting a few things into your trolley doing your grocery shop. You see it in the supermarkets, the stationery, the copy books. It just takes the financial burden as well. Like by starting your your purchasing now takes the burden off at the end of the month when you have to go and buy everything together. So just start. You can make a list of what you need to get over the next week or two and just have it on the counter. Add to it, you know, uh, put a line through what you have got. And it just goes. It just kind of gives you a picture of what you need to get. Regarding regarding stationery, I like to have a homework caddy. So what this is then is like say when your children are completing their homework, make sure that you have a clear area, whether it's the kitchen table. And if you have a homework caddy, it's just simple, a a box or a basket that holds all the stationery items that they need to complete their homework. And you can use, you know, tin cans, recycle them, the washing machine capsule boxes, you know, with the lid on. Yeah. Store, yeah, store your pencils, your crayons in them, your scissors, you know, talk to your children about what they were used last year in school. You know, if they're starting to do projects, they might need glue, scissors, highlighters. So get them involved as well. And you can even plan like a day, you know, that you go to the discount store and you buy all your stationery and they love picking out, you know, stickers and highlighters and colored paper. Yeah. Put it all together in a box or a basket and call that your homework caddy yeah. so that they know where it is and they can easily reach it. That you're not, you know, when you're doing homework and then you're trying to find a ruler or you're trying to find scissors. And... <laughs> it's, not, it's not complete, man. Um, in terms of getting ready, uh, mm-hmm. the, the first Monday morning back when, or the first Monday morning, of all, would you rehearse the whole getting up mm-hmm. process? Yeah. I do. I've even started like I've I've three children myself and I've started now this week pairing back the bedtimes and getting them up a bit early. Now they have camped this week, so they are getting up early. But just to get them in the mind frame, um, you know, you just have to start pairing back even 10 minutes a day of going to bed a bit earlier. It just starts getting them into the time frame. Yeah, you know, our summer holidays will be coming to an end and we will have to go to bed a bit earlier and we will have to get up early. Call them even 15 minutes earlier each morning. 
get into the habit now of, you know, having your breakfast because over the summer, everything's relaxed and they yes. can get up when they want and they might watch yes. a cartoon, you know, and everything's on a bit of a go slow. And then come August and we're like shouting at them to get up that morning. And it's not fair on so, them so start, either. So start you know? preparing for the routine before you actually have to do the route, the routine. That's actually a very good. I've never heard that one before. And yeah. we'll talk more about maybe lunch prep and stuff later on. But I know that mm-hmm. you'll come back to me in, in a week or two about people getting down to the school gate who themselves are nervous about looking like a sight in mm-hmm. <laughs> by the time they, so we'll come back about that looking good yeah. at the school gate and being ready to go down with the school Linda thank you very much for that a uh, couple of weeks ahead of a lot of work a lot of preparation but the more that you get ready the better it'll be in the end that's Linda de Blasi a personal stylist and uh, runs Colour and Beautiful and she'll be back because I, I, I was do you know what this one Sort of with me, I kind of go, what the hell? You're dropping your children to school. What's it all about? Why do you? But people do. They want to look good at the school gate. They want to look together. They want to look collected. They want to look prepared. They don't want to look like they were pulled through a bush sideways. So, 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 and that's just the dads. So Linda will be back to do that before the end of the month. Sierra Delta Cartu, Annie and the Chopper, or Chopper Nari. How are you? Cracking, lacking. I tell you one thing. Women don't like chatter blights. No? They just want honesty. Gotcha. Just be honest with a woman. Yep. Approach them and be straight up with them. How's it going? Name's Anthony. Six kids, four mams. I've done more sentences than Shakespeare. <laughs> I leave the toilet seat up, but I'm likely to let you down. <laughs> <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, on preparation for back to school, uh, Tom has a fabulous suggestion here. People should re-familiarise themselves with the traffic systems on the route to school. We were talking earlier this morning about the changes and it's in the ads and it's in the news, it's all over the place. The changes that are coming in tomorrow with regard to the north side of Cork City and getting here from the south side and places that you're no longer going to be able to go from tomorrow. New routes and old routes and new lanes and old lanes and new turnings and old turnings and not turning right onto this bridge, not turning left off that bridge. And we can only hope it works out without too much... um, bloodletting tomorrow but Tom is right Tom says over the next couple of weeks re-familiarise yourself with the route to and from school because it may change and it could be chaotic and if you're under stress and under pressure on the first morning back and you haven't checked that the route is the same that adds to the stress and adds to the pressure so that's a great idea that's a great idea also someone on saying that Tesco and the book station have three for two at the moment on stationery. Thanks for that. I have tons of stuff to do with Cash Society and I need to make time to get to that between now and quitting time, which which I will do. Um, but a lot of you agreeing with me. The point I was making, chatting with Wyon Stansfield 
earlier on about this. The move to cashless is inev- inevitable. That lots and lots of businesses prefer you now to work by card or work by your phone or work online, whatever. But the idea that you would have no choice but to do that, that doesn't sit well with me, certainly. And I like the option, for example, something as simple as, like I said, coffee and a donut. You want to be able to use cash if, if you want to do so. That's to come, and I have lots more of responses on that. But I'm looking at a picture of the most gorgeous little doggy. She's a poodle. Beautiful little doggy called Darcy the Poodle. And Darcy is this year's Cork representative in the nose of Tralee. We've talked about this before. This isn't new. The nose of Tralee. Now, she's only nine months old. She's a big doggy for nine months old. Um, her owner uh, is Laura Hogan and immensely proud of Darcy, no doubt. Laura, she's a big doggy for nine months old. She's gorgeous, but she's big. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, she's she's quite big. I actually measured her the other day in to her shoulders she's like uh, 22 centimeters or sorry 22 inches so right. she's um kind of average i suppose for for like a standard poodle which is size. yeah because that's the thing we, we sometimes <laughs> think of poodles as tiny little dogs yeah so like they come in like three different sizes so there's a toy poodle which are the really really teeny tiny ones and then there's like miniature which are kind of like cocker kind of size and then mm. there's the standard poodle which will be a bit larger yeah her hair is Spectacular. Does it take a lot of time to keep that groomed? <laughs> it does. Yeah. So I would spend a lot of time giving her bath and, and brushing her out and things like that. Probably like I, I kind of tend to try wash her every week. Right. Um and it would take about three hours or so. Yeah. And is it fine hair? Like or is it is it thick doggy hair? Does it curl up and does it mat if you don't mind it? Yeah, so she still has like her puppy coat, but her adult coat is coming in. Um, so the kind of curlier adult coat is coming in and meeting the soft, fine puppy coat. So that's mm. why you have to like brush it and wash it so often mm. at the moment when they're around that age, it can get difficult, but she loves it. Like she runs in and jumps up on the table. Oh, really? Like I hadn't washed her in a while there cause I was on holidays and she jumped from the table into the bath when I was just getting some <laughs> stuff ready like herself. So, so, so she so. likes being, she likes being pampered. She does. Like I give her like loads of treats and things like that. So it's all fun for her. Like, so she just loves it now. She didn't really love it at the start, but she loves it now, yeah. She yeah, does. She, so she's, uh, she's gorgeous, i got to say. And you can bring her to work with you because you teach animal care. Like, this is this is a dream job. It literally is. I did zoology in college, and then I went on to do, like, a master's in conservation. And then I came back and I said, I like, I like teaching. But I was kind of teaching science, you know, in secondary schools. And then this job came up in animal care, and I was like, oh, my God, is this for real? Um, so I, like, I love teaching and I love animals. So now I just get to do both. Yeah, and you day, can so bring great. her to work. So you, 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 you do. You, does she does she work with you to, in teaching people? So like, um, yeah, like I bring her to work every day. So she just hangs out in the room some days, or else I'll like use her to. She'll hop up on the table and I can demonstrate something with her, or uh, we do some first aid things like that. And you know, she'd be used to like demonstrate, you know, putting bandages on. And oh, really? then some of the other teachers have taken her to the to the veterinary room to like run her around, and they'll take her her breathing rate and her heart rate and things like that for practice for the yeah. students. Yeah. And like even the film department came over one day and said, could they have her in there a movie? So they did a bit of a photo shoot with her for part yeah. of one of their movie projects. So that was fun. You know, the way you look into some dog's eyes and you can see there's, there's a burning intelligence in there. She's a clever little thing. 
Oh, she's so smart. Yeah, she's like super smart. We've had a few dogs over the years, like Bichons and Cockers and things, but I just find that she's so smart. She learns everything really quick. Yeah. And yeah. she's so cute as well. Like she she has a little bit of divilment in her all right. Well. As well. And you know, yeah, she kind of yeah, she's clever out. How did how did you how did you meet each other? Did do you have her from a puppy? You do? I did, yeah, I got her at eleven. Um weeks old so a lady that comes into the college in, in St. John's with her poodles so the students groom her poodles and she knows how much I love poodles and she just said the guy that um, bred her poodle uh, had had some puppies and he wanted to give them homes before Christmas because they were kind of running havoc around the house and she rang me on a Sunday and I just kind of went up after work on a Monday it was so spontaneous I wasn't planning on getting a poodle like then but it just kind of was fate almost so just went up and fell in love with her straight away where'd you, where'd, you, where'd you go? In Mayo. Oh, to Mayo. Like, just after work, yeah. we're popping up to Mayo for a spin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my sister came with me and we just drove up. Yeah, it was brilliant. We uh, just drove home. She was the best dog ever on the way home. Like, she just sat in the car and not a peep out of her. She was so good. Yeah, of course. She's now representing the, the rebel county in the nose of Tralee. I mean, she's well behaved. Like, another, the, 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 I read, read somewhere where the poodle was a military dog one time that the, they, they used to work with the military. But, I mean, that would... So strong-willed. Would she be strong-willed? Ah, uh, yeah. Like, but they're clever too, you know. So they kind of will like aim to please to get like rewards. So oh, they'll kind of right. do what you ask them eventually. <laughs> so they were trained originally as gun dogs. So they would have been like retrievers, like a golden retriever or okay. Labrador retriever as well. Like they were uh, water retrievers. So that's why they had the curly coat oh. to protect them in the water. I see. So she, but she knows uh, where the biscuits and- are. So she behaves until she gets them. Oh yeah, she's yeah, she does. Yeah, she keeps trying all sorts of things. Like, oh, does she want me to sit now, or does she want me to lie down for the street? So she's funny that way. You can vote she's for her. We've a link put up which we'll share. Um, but but there's a, a the nose of Tralee voting. If you search for that in Google, it'll come up as well. And she's up against thirty one others. She's absolutely gorgeous. Laura, I got us. Thanks, William. Yeah, she's like I do love her. <laughs> and those those eyes, I have a little, I have a little cavachon, and and Aww. that's why I mentioned the the, the 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 eyes. There's a burning intelligent in, in, intelligence in those eyes. You often wonder if you could talk, you would talk. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, should they talk with their actions sometimes? Don't <laughs> they, they really? Do, they do. They do. All right. Good luck with everything. Good luck to Thanks Darcy. Thanks so much for having Cheers, us on. Cheers, Laura. Take care. That's uh, Laura. Uh, Darcy, the nose of Tralee. We'll put the picture up. She's gorgeous. She's an absolute belter of a dog. Um, and uh, you can vote for her for the nose of Tralee. You've been voting in your thousands for the Best of Cork Awards as well. And tomorrow, Tuesday evening... August 9th, we will reveal all of the winners of the Best of Cork Awards, Cork's 96 event, Best of Cork Awards 2022. Uh, there's a, a €5,000 media campaign also to be won from Cork's 96 FM. We have an event tomorrow evening. We'll reveal all the winners. So stay listening. Follow our social media to find if your favourite wins in their category. It's the Best of Cork Awards 2022 with localheroes.ie, your place to find trusted gas boiler installers, plumbers, electricians, and much more. Only on Cork's 96 FM. When we're enjoying Elton John in Dua Lipa, are you getting a cold heart? Has our love for Dermot Kennedy made you hope better tunes are coming? Give me what I want. 
Tell us the music you want to hear. And what songs should disappear with the Cork's 96FM Music Panel. Take our 10-minute music survey. And you could win a 100-euro penny voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. C96FM.ie Here's one on cash and the cashless society that uh, which has set you thinking. If people go cashless, you might as well say goodbye to society. They already want us using more and more machines. It's not about people anymore. We shouldn't go cashless. Especially when a lot of the elderly don't have computers and they can't use online banking. If we give in to this, we'll give in to anything. I agree, says this one. I totally, I won't give my custom to any business who won't take cash. We have the right to choose how we want to pay. You'd think the businesses would be happy to get people's custom instead of limiting their options of payment, says Tracy. Ray wants the option to use cash. Just talking to some of my friends, says this call. All our bank cards expire in the year 2025. What does that tell you? Um, do, do they all? So, hang on, have a look at mine. Because here it is. Mine expires actually. Mine expires in 2023. The end of 2023. And what about me? What about me, Revolut card? I want to look, want to look now for a second. I pull that out. Hang on, I'm pulling it out of the world. That's a 2024. So all of them apparently will be gone by 2020. Well, they only have a, li- a limited life anyway. So if you got a new bank card recently, it might well expire in 2025, whether there's conspiracy theory or not there. I do not know. I'll come back to those. 0818969696. New children's book out called Looking for Emily. It- it's very heavy content. It's a heavy story, but it's written for children. It's It's like a murder mystery. It's a... It really is a, 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 it's kind of a, an adult theme written for children. And the author of the book, which is called Looking for Emily, is Fiona Longmuir. There she is. Is that two I'm going to lads and not one? Fiona, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Delighted to do so. It, it's, a, it's, it's a debut for this particular age grade, but it follows like an old theme. It's, it's got quite a plot, though. Do you want to go through it for me? Sure, yeah. Um, so we kind of we join our our main character, twelve uh, year old Lily, as she gets ready to to start school in her new hometown, and she's furious about having moved from the city to the seaside. She's sure that nothing exciting is ever going to happen to her ever again. Uh, but when she stumbles on the mysterious museum of Emily, which is filled with the belongings of one ordinary little girl who disappeared many years ago, she realizes that even little sleepy seaside towns have got their secrets. Yeah, and like, there's a theme in a lot of children's books. It's solving crime and, you know, smugglers and criminals. <laughs> Kids like that, don't they? They like yeah. that kind of book. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I tend to write the kind of books that I like to read. And from when I was from when I was younger, you know, as you say, I, I liked a good mystery. I've always liked a good mystery and... I think my favourite books are the ones that, that strike that balance between like a big, exciting adventure, but then also little kind of gentle, cosy moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I like, I didn't necessarily set out to write a book like that, but I think I've obviously been influenced by the kinds of books that I've always, always loved to read. Yeah, yeah. I read a lot of crime and mystery and suspense myself, mm-hmm. even as an adult, but I started 
when I was a small boy. I loved yeah. books of adventures and adventure stories and crimes and whatever. So it, it kind of shaped my my lifelong my lifelong reading. Uh, do you think yeah. that's common enough that children start reading this stuff when they're small and they like this stuff and then they grow up interested in it? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think you kind of, you never read again the way that you read when you're when you're 10. You know, it's, it's those True. books that you read at that point that I think really shape who you become as a as an adult. Um, yeah. Definitely, uh, I kind of, I can still see patterns in the things that I like to read and the things that I think are important or fun or, mm. you know, all those sorts of things from the things that I read when I was kind of, you know, between nine and about 12. Yeah, you, you write about kids that are, Stubborn and and a bit, a bit of an oddball. Yeah, is there is there a bit of autobiography going on here? I think there is. Yeah, I was definitely a stubborn oddball little kid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think um, I don't think I ever managed an adventure quite as grand as uh, as what Lily does. But I think the book's definitely filled with little little bits of me. So stuff that I like and kind of yeah. my values and things that I think would be fun or scary. Or I think a lot of people who know me read the book and went, "Yep, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's Fiona." There's a there's 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 a teacher in this who very strong role, Miss Miss Hannon. And and she really influences Lily. Um and a lot of kids' books I think that I would have read when I was younger would have always had a teacher or an authority figure who was a good, solid influence. Yeah. It's an important message there. Yeah, I think so. I think the the importance of a really good teacher can't be overstated. You know, kids spend so much of their time at school and it's the first place that they get to really taste independence where they're away from their families. So I think they do a lot of growing up in school. Um, and I still remember so many of my really good teachers. You know, my my high school English teacher is actually in the acknowledgements of the book um, because she was such a such an important influence on my life and my writing. So yeah, I definitely wanted to. You know, there's there's teachers who aren't so great in the book as well. There's some some kind of teachers who like to throw their weight around a little bit but it was really important to me to have that positive that reflects that reflects real life as well doesn't it though absolutely yeah yeah um there's a relationship between lily and her mum mum is a bright optimistic Mm -hmm. type uh lily is a bit dark no at 12 you are like do you know that <laughs> everything's the worst? <laughs> oh, the worst! Oh, this world is finished before it even starts, and you did it! You did it! Like, is that? Do you reckon that's a real dynamic? That mom, you know, or is, or is mom just putting on a brave face? I think probably both. To be honest, I think I'm I'm really lucky. I've got I'm the child of you know two parents and two step parents who are all these kind of real fun, outgoing, kind of exuberant people. And it's funny, I think, as you start to get older and you suddenly realise that your parents are whole people <laughs> and they've got their own lives and their own worries and their own stuff kind of going on. That's right. Um, and I know that lots of families read together, so I wanted Lily's mum to feel real for the parents reading, for, looking for Emily uh, mm-hmm. along with their kids. And I think even as young readers, you know, probably they read and they go, yep, mum, fine, no bother. And they kind of breeze past her. But I wanted her to feel like a little hand squeeze for those parents. Like, I see you, you're doing great. That maybe they can (laughs) identify with mothers of 12-year-olds everywhere. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) That they might be going through the same kind of thing. It's a maelstrom, (laughs) but it gets easier. (laughs) 
exactly. As I always say in my house, the first 24 years are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Plus the 24 years to get through. That's great. <laughs> Fiona, listen, congratulations on the book. It's called Looking for Emily. Fiona Longmuir. There's a lovely Scottish name, if ever I heard it. Longmuir. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Longmuir, Longmuir, Longmuir. Why is that ringing a bell? Why is that ringing a bell? Longmuir. Oh, I know why that's ringing a bell. I know why that's ringing a bell. Uh, my listener, listeners of a certain age who remember music of a certain vintage will know what I'm talking about. I'll say no more. I'll say no more. Longmuir. Do you remember? Think, think about it. 0818 96 96 96. More of your comments on cash and the cashless society before we wrap it today. And so many of them, we might even have to hold on to some of them until tomorrow. The Montanotti Hotel has this lovely tradition of having an artist in residence so that their their walls are graced with the most wonderful art and it changes according to whom the artist of residence is and it's 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 a lovely tradition it's, they've been doing this for for the last number of years the new artist is Nathan Nevin and he joins me now Nathan good morning to you uh, good morning you How are be, you? Good. You, you must be delighted that that, that you become artist in, in residence at the uh, at the Montanotti. Um, but how how long are you doing art? Was it something you're doing all your life, or was it a hobby that you decided to turn into profession? How did you come to be an artist in the first place, Nathan? Oh yes, I started drawing and painting when I was a child, you know, and then that, and with this passion, so. I decided to become a professional artist um, over 10 years ago. Uh, over 10 years now, yeah. What are your inspirations yeah. then when you sit down with a blank canvas or a blank piece of paper? What, what are your... You know? um, uh, at first, my, my inspiration come from, you know, the cityscape, you know, the city view, the, the, the street view. And after that, I, I start to, to paint the interior interior stuff, you know, the, the beautiful room, something like that. And then, yeah. Mm. Anything, any of your work that you're particularly proud of, say that'll be on display? Oh, uh, at the, at the show? Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, this exhibition that at the um, Montenotte, it's about, um, you know, the theme is it's the wildlife invited. So it's about the animal are invited in in our street, our places, our our interiors. It's it's uh, very surrealistic and colorful. So mm. this is what 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 I want to to present it to yeah. to the to well, the people. Yeah. What inspired that particular topic? Uh, during the lockdown, yes, during the, the lockdown, everything is empty. People uh, were at home. No one. No one uh, were outside, you know, yeah. all around the world. That's that's what I think. Maybe if I just just um, give the animal, the wild animal, who 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 can who can take place all around uh, our yeah. city, our street. Yeah, it would be cool. Yeah, yeah, and of course you mentioned the lockdown, like that's a record of history uh, and, and your art is now remembering a moment in history that people will talk about in many years. Yes, 
that's that's it and it's, it's difficult for for many people even even for me because of i i cannot display my art anywhere else because of lockdown i cannot travel to to visit all my gallery around the world you know in japan in france in the united states or mm. uh, even in johannesburg in south africa so it's difficult you but have, I, you have to, art in all those places nathan yeah yeah yes Wow. Yes, and I'm and I'm and I'm glad that I I can I can show my work all around the world, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what what kind of things do we have? So we've got that one, about the lockdown. What else is there in the Montanati that people can can come to see? Oh yes, it. So at Montanati, I I put it uh, at the first place is the all the street in Cork with the animal. Yes. So you can see the, the, you know, all the street in Cork that the, with the, what is, what is, is important like a Oliver Plugget or the Grand too. Parade, yeah. something like that. And Very there are identifiable. Many, yeah. Yes, with all animal. Yep. Okay. All right. It's lovely to see there. Yeah. All right. Listen, Nathan, congratulations on your appointment as artist in residence at the Montanati Hotel. Uh, they've been running this for a number of years and it's nice. It's um, it's, it's lovely. And the artwork in the hotel changes every few months as a result of it. So everybody benefits. The artist benefits, the hotel benefits, and we benefit as users of the hotel and seeing all sorts of wonderful new art. Nathan Nevin, who just casually drops into the... Uh, conversation that he also exhibits in Johannesburg and in Japan and in France and whatever. So he's a star. 0818 96 96 96. You can come to, to visit that uh, exhibition as well at the Montanotti over the next few months. Let's get back to cash and uh, the cashless society. You must, again, people wanting the option. Uh, I agree with PJ. We shouldn't use the shop if they won't take cash. People fought for the use of our legal tender for years, and we should continue to respect that. We should think carefully before we exclude the people, not that don't want electronic payments, but the people who can't use electronic payments. We've done a lot of work to include all kinds of people in society, but now all that would be lost if we just exclude a section of them. Kate says, when you're inside a bank, you hear all these conversations and it's like all the people with cash in their hands have the plague. People are trying to lodge money and all you have is the staff. I can't touch that to the staff. It's all ridiculous. Oh, I know. Oh, that crack is still going on. Oh, cash is dirty. No, it's not. Cash was never dirty. The World Health Organization during the pandemic had to issue statements saying, no, you're grand. Use cash. You want to use cash. If that happens now, the people who are raking it in at the banks, there's no transaction fee for cash, but introductory offers of low or no fees for electronic payments will disappear in a year or two. From then on, because people have very little choice in this market, we will rue the day electronic payments became the norm, both businesses and consumers. And actually, an experience on holidays that I never had before, um, or maybe I did, but it certainly wasn't as high, where I was, cash machines were every every 50 yards. I mean, great supply of cash machines. But by God almighty, the cost of taking out your own money. Took out, what did I take out? Took out 100 quid one day. I was wandering off. I know we'd be going down onto the front and we'd having a few points and a bit of grub. I'm just going out for the evening. So I said, right, cash. So I went and I got 100 quid. 
out of one of these uh, Euro, was it a Euronet one or someone, 100 quid out of the cash machine. And it cost me 3.95. I nearly had a stroke to take out 100 quid of my own money. It cost me 3.95. Now, thankfully, that's not happening here yet. I would fear it. If you went particularly into a private, into a shop or something, and they've got a cash machine. We're not charging yet for to take cash out of the hole in the wall. But I got stung. 3.95 for 100 quid. 0818 96 96 96 Simon Murdoch and the best music mix Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM Gonna reserve you a booth and give you 100 euro to spend in one of Cork's top restaurants and I'll throw in a pair of tickets for you to go and see Westlife this weekend as well Your chance to win coming up from midday here on Cork's 96 FM With the weather set to be great for the next week or maybe even 8 or 9 days we'll be spending a lot of time in the back garden Bam and out. So why not bring out the speaker and listen to the Back Garden Festival at Cork's 96VM's exclusive online station with the biggest hits from the summer's headline acts. Brought to you by Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. You can listen on the app or go to 96FM.ie and they're all there, including Westlife, who were on Friday and Saturday night at Parky Quive. 0818969696. Let's just tear up some of your communication during the morning on the changes in traffic flow. And we were talking about this with Dan Boyle from tomorrow morning. There are many changes happening along the quays in particular. If you're coming from the south side of the city to the north side of the city. If, for example, you used to, this is probably the best example, if you used to come up Parnell Place and turn left onto the quays and along open say go over Christie Ring Bridge to get to the north side you won't be doing that from tomorrow you'll be coming up instead to the end of Parnell Place and you'll be turning right and you'll be going back in over Brian Baru Bridge yes over Brian Baru Bridge to the other way and up the quays and out the other way and that's just one of three or four changes that are coming in from tomorrow the problem with new road changes is those of us who don't travel in that often, we don't know where the new roads are that they're talking about. Can they mention where they are? Like Brian Baru Street, is that the one by the bus office? No, no, that's not. That's the one up by the Coliseum. Uh, the Christie Ring Bridge, that's the Opera House Bridge, yeah. The road that they said to use instead, I think is in Harrington Road. The keys, they mention landmarks, so we know where they're, where we're talking about. That's a very good point, um, whoever sent in the message. And over the next few days, as we're talking about this and, and people are, I will try in, in my own com- conversations with you to, to bring in as many landmarks as possible so that for people who wouldn't be overly familiar with the names of streets. That, that's a good idea and we'll do it as much as we possibly can. Paul says ban all multi-axle like Arctics and enforce the ban the Pana bus lane which is a kind of a different subject but there you go. 0818969696 I kind of have a handle now on what is coming in tomorrow but that's because I've watched the video the council's video three or four times um, but I hope it'll work smoothly. But that's the big one. 
that I see it, if you're coming in to go to the north side through, say, Parnell Place, and where you would normally have turned left to go down the Keys and over Christie Ring Bridge, the Opera House Bridge, you won't be doing that from tomorrow. You'll instead be going down Parnell Place and turning right. And bizarrely, you'll be going over Brian Baru Bridge the other way, which you'll never have done before, and up the Keys and over. That's just one of the changes. Uh, which I guess will will all fall into place. We hope that all fall into place. Talk about electronic tickets for game matches. Remember, we were contacted by somebody who said, "Look, I don't know how to use a smartphone. I don't have a smartphone. I don't want um, to have to put my ticket on a phone. I have no idea where to start. It means I can't go to any more matches." We got onto the GAA, and they came back to us with a statement and said the clubs themselves have the facility to produce a paper ticket. So if you want to get a ticket for a match involving your local club, just go to your local club and they'll organise a printed ticket for you. The GAA is talking about getting the tickets to clubs, says this call. But there's a lot of people who are not computer literate, who love the GAA, but never go near a club then. They deserve a chance to... Yeah, I think the days of queuing up at Parky Ring or Parky Cueve or anywhere at all, I think the days of queuing up and just buying a ticket are probably gone, or close to gone. But this is going to be uncomfortable for people. I'm aware of a loyal Cork supporter who travels the length and breadth of Ireland on public transport, including the Cork Antrim match, for example, up the north. He also follows local clubs and attends numerous matches every weekend. He doesn't have a smartphone or a credit card. He's not alone. The GAA needs to remember these staunch supporters. They deserve access to matches in the traditional way of paying cash, as was the custom for years and years and years. I'd appreciate if you could remind the GA of these supporters, not all are affiliated to a particular club. They can't approach a club for tickets as they're not members, says Miriam. And thank you for that. And here I am talking all morning about being able to buy stuff with cash if I want to. Yeah, I, I, I can see that point. I can see why someone who's traditionally gone to a match of a Saturday or a Sunday and they've gone with a little wad of cash in their pocket and they've paid at the gate. They aren't to be able to do that. Thanks for that, all of you. 0818 96 96 96. David Corton, you are in talks, I believe, with Castlehaven AFC to set up a football session for children with additional mm-hmm. needs. Good morning. Morning, Peter. Where did this idea come from? Well, there's a girl there up in Dublin Hill and Ballavaline, Alison Burke. She has something set up with Glenthorne right. for kids with additional needs. Okay. Just okay. basically to leave them run around and have a bit of fun and be a part of something, really. Yeah. So, like, my son has level two autism and he's living up in the Holly Hill area and it's kind of, there's nothing up in the community for any kids up there. Right. So I got on to Castleview and asked them and they were gratefully, they gratefully said that they'd facilitate me. So I'm just really coming on to try and spread the word to parents and stuff out around the place. If they have kids with additional needs, that will be kicking off on the 2nd of September. Get a little bit closer to that phone if you could, it's a little bit far away so what I mean it's all sorts any needs considered is there any any kind of a additional need any needs considered any additional needs anyone 
And any age groups? It's ages four to nine. Okay. Okay. And who'll who'll coach it or who'll who'll run it? Well, I'll be running it and doing a bit of coaching and the Tashville View lads will give a hand as well mm. in coaching and stuff. No, it's not gonna be anything competitive as such. It's just be let the kids have fun for an hour and be a part of something. Yeah, yeah. You've you've put the request up on, on social media, you got quite a quite a big response. It, it did. I was delighted when I saw the response on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there'll be a big crowd up there when you go to have the first session? I'm hoping, I'm hoping there will be, and I hope it'll stay that way then. It's just, as I said, like the kids need something up around their kids with additional needs. It's just be a part of something and to play around. And also, it's for the parents. It'll be good for parents to be around together and have a chat. And yeah. Parents seem to be really well, really impressed with the fact that you were going to do this. Because um, there's a lot in it for them too, isn't there? There is, there is. I mean, it'll get their kids out to have fun. Like, there's an awful lot of people that won't leave their kids out because they have the additional needs and yes. stuff. But this will be a place now that they can bring them to That's go right. out and have fun. And all the parents, if you like, not only will the kids on the pitch have something in common, the parents will have something in common. So it'd be like a, yeah. you know, like a place for them to go and talk about things as well. But that's it, like, it, it's not just about the kids, it's about the parents too. Yeah, and some, to be part of something that's happening in the community. I mean, Dave, you're, you're yourself, like, you know, with having a, a young lad with additional needs, it, it, it I can identify, it, it makes being a daddy just that little bit tougher, doesn't it? It does, it does. You know? Especially, you know, in nice weather and stuff and you see all the kids out playing and you'd love to leave them out but you just don't understand about roads and... Yeah. yeah it's know, it's, it's, wander it's, it's really it's rewarding like, but it can be tough too. Yeah. So the first session is the 2nd of September. Yeah. What time? 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock in the all-weather papers in Castleview. Very good. Is there a cost involved or is it free, David? Um, they're going to give the first few sessions for free and then I'll be asking parents for two euro kind of just to put back into the club. Very good. Okay. All right, listen. I'll be, asking, I'll be also asking businesses if they want to sponsor kids for training kits and stuff so that they'll all have the same type of kit on. And Fantastic. Sounds like you're onto something. Uh, and if there's anything we can um, ever anything we can ever do for you, just let us know. Yeah, that's perfect, PJ. All right, bye. Take care. Good luck with that. It's a great idea. Uh, it's a soccer session for kids with additional needs, any needs at all, starting on the second September, six o'clock at Castleview and they all were the pitch up there. Initially it'll be free, then they might charge a couple of euro for up upkeep of the club or trying to get kits and trying to get sponsorship and just trying to start something. Good man David 0818969696 Mags was on and she said you often talk about the beaches and the state they get left in yes uh, I'm dreading for example the next few mornings when you see the pictures from early morning the state of the beaches however says Mags credit where credit is due just now I was down in Fountainstown first thing I saw was county council workers cleaning the place and emptying the bins and the place is immaculate. That's great to see. That's great to see, Mags. And we're going to have Fountainstone jammed. 
Myrtleville jammed, Gary Vaux, Yall, Inchidani, you name the great beaches of Cork, the beautiful Belly Brannigan, which is hard to find and should be because it's, if you want. Leave the please if you're going to the beach over the next few days. Please bring your stuff home with you. Don't be leaving coffee cups and cans and sandwich wrappers and nappies and don't please, don't be having me here going on about a set of photographs that I've been sent. Uh, don't, for I, whatever you do, those portable barbecues that you buy in any one of the shops for eight or nine euro, and they're brilliant. They really are great and have great fun with them. Do not, for pity's sake, bury them in the sand after you use them. Bring them home. Douse water on them and bring them home. Please? Can we, can we make a deal with each other for the next while, you and me, that we'll keep the beaches tidy over what looks to be five, six, seven or even eight days of beautiful, beautiful late summer weather? Can we make a deal with one another? I don't want to see photographs of dirty beaches. And can you make sure that I don't? That's great. That's it. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran. Produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow just after nine. Ready to go. The showtime. Showtime. Thanks for all your nominations and votes in the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. Now it's time to reveal your favourites. Stay listening Tuesday evening. As we reveal this year's winners. The Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie for trusted tradespeople with a 12-month warranty backed by Board Gosh Energy. Only on Cork's 96FM.